Welcome to episode 25 of the DC Drop, where we talk all the news this week in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom, and Zach is unavailable this week, so I am flying solo with the podcast today talking about all of this news. And we always start with movies, and of course, when we're talking DC movies right now, the big news is Aquaman. And we finally have some early box office tracking for Aquaman from Deadline. This is done based on some some official data that they pull in and all of that, and surveys and all that kind of thing, seeing what kind of buzz there is for the film. And this is by no means a final guesstimate. They always adjust these each week. And they even say in there how, you know, this is before critics, word of mouth, final marketing push. So this number could move a lot. But generally speaking, DC movies have outperformed their early tracking numbers. And for Aquaman, it is it looks pretty good. It's expected to open number one in that crowded December 21st weekend. In the U.S. and in Canada, it's expected for a $65 million opening weekend and $100 million over the long five-day Christmas weekend. Christmas coming out on Tuesday this week. That's a really strong number, especially with the competition and the time of year. Remember, Star Wars aside, movies tend to open lower in December uh, before Star Wars. I think the record was $84 million from one of the Hobbit movies. And if Aquaman does well, good buzz. I think that's a legitimate possibility to top that number. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of buzz and everything it gets in the coming weeks as we lead up to it. But is this, this is a strong number, and hopefully it improves even more. And it's interesting to see how it compares to those other films coming out at that time. You know, it says unaided awareness is double that of Bumblebee, which is one of the big competitors, that along with Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins is also supposed to have a really strong opening weekend. Um, that, of course, opens two days before. It opens on a Wednesday, so there's probably Tuesday night previews for Mary Poppins. But a busy weekend, but it's very encouraging if Aquaman opens ahead of all of those other films and well ahead of them and has good legs. That's really good. Warner Brothers has already put up four-year consideration for Aquaman for several categories. So four-year consideration, this is basically them telling award shows like the, the Oscars and stuff, hey, you should consider Aquaman for all of these things. And... uh you can screen, you know, go to screenings, have critics go to screenings, and voters go to screenings so they can look to see how Aquaman is eligible. I would read down the list. Um, you can look at the show notes, but it's basically every category, you know, best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, best actor, best supporting actor, where they nominate, where they mention like six different people. So um, this doesn't necessarily mean WB is confident in all of these, that, that Aquaman should win all these. They did put Fantastic Beasts up for about all of the same ones, and um, I don't I don't know how many awards Fantastic Beasts is going to get. Not a, not a dig at Fantastic Beasts. I like the Harry Potter franchise, but I don't expect to, to get many big time awards. Maybe some technical things, which you know, without having seen seen Aquaman, I think the technical aspects, the visual effects, and and all of that is a possibility. But I don't know, you know, until I see the film, I don't know how good of a chance it has at any other category. Onto the music of Aquaman, we know that the score will release. December 14th. That's a week before the film is even out in the U.S., but of course the film comes out December 7th elsewhere. Uh, An original song by Skylar Gray will be featured in Aquaman, according to film music reporter. It's titled Everything I Need, and it's written by Gray and Elliot Taylor. So no idea how this is going to fit in, what it sounds like yet. There's been other original songs in DC movies. If you think back to Wonder Woman, there was one which was the, I think it was the second end credit song so it obviously didn't play a big role in the film it just was something that played in the end credits to be human by sia i think that was what it was called so i don't know if this will be an important scene or if it's just an end credit type thing or how it fits in but there will be some original music 
Elsewhere, Margot Robbie was asked about the possibility of Poison Ivy showing up in a movie with, in an interview, she did this in an interview with Pride Source, and Margot Robbie said, you know, she would like Ivy to show up. That's a big part of the Harley Quinn character in the comics, which is true. Uh, and so she hopes she she hopes Poison Ivy shows up some point down the line. And I agree with that. Poison Ivy isn't my favorite character, but definitely an important one, a cool character, and someone who we thought would have made a lot of sense in the what is now Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, before we knew it was so Birds of Prey heavy, we thought if Harley Quinn's getting a a film, you would think Poison Ivy would win one of the obvious names to show up in that film. And so it doesn't sound like the character will show up in that, but perhaps down the line in one of the billion other Harley Quinn projects in various stages of development, I think Harley uh, Harley and Ivy's relationship is definitely one a lot of people want to see on screen and I think makes a lot of sense. In other movie news, a Blue Beetle film has been put into development according to The Wrap. They say this will be based on the Jaime Reyes version of the character. So Reyes was... I always forget how new Jaime Reyes is because he's been around in a lot of things, popped up in Smallville, Young Justice, had a big role, and elsewhere. Uh, that Jaime Reyes version of the character was only introduced in 2006, so a new version. But Blue Beetle has been around back since 1939. There was Dan Garrett, and then a long time, uh, a lot of people know the Ted Cord version of the character. And so Blue Beetle has been around for a long time. According to the rap Gareth Dunnett, Al Soser, who has written Miss Bala and the did a rewrite of the upcoming Scarface film, is writing the screenplay. So Dunnett El Soser has um, done two films that have not released yet. So it's really tough to know what kind of a screenwriter he is, if he's, he's good or not. Um, yeah, I think a Blue Beetle film could be really cool. Uh, I think there is definitely a market for it. Again, with pretty much any DC movie put into development, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, we don't know how big of a priority this is. If Blue Beetle is a big priority or if it's just one, another one where they want to have a screenplay written to see what comes of it. So it's tough to get excited about it without, you know, even a director or anything attached to it. Uh, there's just a screenwriter who might be great, but he also has no credits yet officially. So it's tough to project this and know what uh, what's going to come of it. But yeah, a Blue Beetle film could be really cool. No idea how, again, you know, no idea how it would fit in anywhere if it's just an isolated thing where they just want to do a Blue Beetle film to do a Blue Beetle film, or if, you know, maybe they're looking at, I don't know, uh, some sort of Titans team up or, or anything like that. I think it's premature to guess about that. But again, another interesting character, really cool character. You know, I, I say all the time with all these DC characters, pretty much any of them can support a movie franchise if if done right and, and with the way the marketplace currently is. And so, um, I would, I would love to see a Blue Beetle film, but yeah, I'm not, can't get too excited about it until we know more or get a director or something more concrete, um, in terms of how big of a priority this is, or you know, it's all premature in, in speculating when, or if we could ever see this film. Let's move on to TV, specifically DC Universe's Stargirl. The Stargirl has already been cast, but there's also two new castings for series regulars roles, Yvette. Munreal, who has been in Matador, and Christopher James Baker, who has been in True Detective, have been cast as undisclosed DC characters. So, yeah, uh, cool. Um, I pr definitely prefer undisclosed DC characters to undisclosed non-DC characters. Um, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with either of these actors. So I don't know them from anything, but they're they're both, both going to be series regulars. If I had to guess, I would say they're probably pretty important roles to be cast this early. We do know a lot of legacy JSA characters and a lot of new heroes will be involved with the show. So my guess is 
this could very well be some of those. And with Baker, I don't know. I w- I'm wondering if we maybe see something similar to John Jeff John's early Stars and Stripe comic, where maybe we see a Sylvester Pemberton, Sylvester Pemberton or Pat Dugan Stripe, or maybe a Starman type character, or something like that, where it ties in to Star Girl's origin. Uh, wouldn't surprise me in that that would be a big character in the series. That would not surprise me at all. So I think that's definitely a possibility. So probably two big characters, but we don't know who yet. We also have a ton of new Young Justice information with Young Justice Outsiders. We know it's coming out on January 4th, and we've got a little bit more details on that. Uh, So it's going to actually have multiple episodes per week on DC Universe. So starting that January 4th, there will be three episodes each week, each on Friday. Three episodes will drop for three weeks. And then on January 25th, the fourth week, four episodes will release, and that will be include the mid-season finale. So there's going to be 13 episodes in January. Then they'll come back presumably later in the year with 13 more episodes for the full season. Um, Interesting, pretty unique way to do it. Pretty cool, I guess. Uh, So Young Justice is on his way. They're also going to do a documentary series titled Making of Young Justice Outsiders. That will be five 10-minute episodes that will be coming out on Tuesdays starting January 8th. Also in December on Tuesdays, they will have enhanced episodes from seasons one and two of Young Justice. So these will be, be replaying the episodes, but with commentary interviews and inside information from a wide variety wide range of young justice experts so the creatives and other people will all be involved in and give a lot of details on young justice i think this is a really cool idea idea with everything going digital and streaming one thing you lose a lot of times is the behind the scenes stuff and the special features the bonus features on the classic dvd and blu-ray sets uh which it's they shouldn't be classic that wasn't that long ago i guess um but I think that's a really cool idea and something, an, another tie-in, another hook for people to come on to DC Universe to have that behind-the-scenes content. I wish they'd done that for Titans and, and some of the upcoming shows. I think that was a really cool idea. It's another hook instead of just buying it digitally down the line somewhere else or if it comes to physical media. I think this is another cool hook for that and just immerses you in the world a little bit more. Along with that, we got a full trailer for Young Justice Outsiders. Really cool. Uh we get hints at the metahuman trafficking, which we know is going to be a big plot point this season. You know, there's metahumans being used as weapons and being sold and all that kind of thing. So we get a hint of that. And then just in Young Justice fashion, just a huge onslaught of DC characters, just one after the other. You get to see lots of them, lots and lots of, of DC characters, which is one of the coolest things about Young Justice, uh, and including one that looks like the Damian Wayne Robin. And, you know, there's lots of other characters we see quick glimpses and so uh something to look forward to as we get closer to the season uh some less fun news to get into uh black lightning showrunner Salim mckeel is being sued for domestic violence and breach of contract so there's a lawsuit that was filed on november 20th by actress amber dixon brenner who claims to have had a physically abusive relationship for over 10 years with akil uh, and also claims elements of a script written by brenner have been used by akil and other projects so um you can look at the lawsuit if you want. Um, details, lots of, there's some graphic stuff in there, um, some specific stuff in there. We don't. Um, I'm not going to tell you what's true and what's not because I'm not a lawyer and that's what, not what this podcast is about. Um, it doesn't sound good. Um, don't know uh, what that means, but yeah, claims for a physically abusive relationship over 10 years and, and possible elements of a script taken. Um, yeah, I'm not going to to get into that it doesn't sound good, but um, I'm sure you know as soon as as soon as this news came out, not long after WBTV had told Deadline that an open investigation has been started. I believe Salim Akil is still allowed to work. Uh, 
Akil's attorneys did deny the claims completely. Um, so I, I, you know, it's one thing you, you hope it's not true. You also, also hope someone wouldn't make up something like this. So, uh, you don't know how to feel about it, but, um, you never want to see this kind of news, whether it's true or not good or good or not. Um, so yeah, I'll just give you an update on that. And to finish off on a higher note, I want to talk Elseworlds, the, the big upcoming DC TV event. Uh, I don't want to do a traditional preview. You can look at promos and things like that all you want, but I want to do a character catch up know where the main characters are to talk about that for people who maybe don't watch all the shows or don't watch any of the shows and haven't seen them in a while and just watch these crossovers and things like that. But this will give a catch up for where these characters are right now. Uh, I don't think you need to know all this necessarily. I think they've done a good job in the past with the crossovers of giving you all the information you need to know. And, and they're they're pretty well standalone. So I think if you've seen Invasion and Crisis on Earth X, I don't think you're going to be lost at all. But uh, this is just a fun way. It's also a good good thing for me to do to remember where these characters are. So there will be spoilers, obviously, if you're trying to catch up on any of these shows. Current seasons, there are spoilers there. Um, but just going through here, Green Arrow. So what has Oliver Queen been doing? Well, Green Arrow was publicly outed as Oliver Queen at the end of last season, went to prison for it, for all that vigilante justice he was dishing out. And he has now just been released from prison and is back. I haven't seen this coming this week's episode to know what he's going to do, but it looks like he is, he's out, he's free. So that's, that gives him freedom to go play Barry Allen, I guess, in Elseworlds. For Flash, um, Barry's daughter from the future, Nora, is hanging out in the present, um, spending, spending time with him because she never got to meet him because of the crisis of 2024. So that is a really confusing sentence that I just said, and I hope it makes some sense. But that is what's going on there. They're fighting Cicada. Um, I don't think that's going to have anything to do with the crossover, but you wonder with Nora coming back if that could play into Elseworlds somehow. Not that necessarily Nora would have a big role, but just the event that just the fact that Barry knows that some sort of crisis is coming in 2024. So I wonder if that could tie in. This could be laying the foundations with characters like Monitor and stuff like that. You always wonder. Supergirl has had a lot going on, but nothing that necessarily I think will carry over into the crossover. I mean. Supergirl is Supergirl. She defeated Rain at the end of the season. Now she's fighting new people, but I don't think there's anything there that really will tie into the crossover that I can think of. The character I'm most looking forward to, John Wesley Shipp as the Flash. Uh, I'm just really excited to see if this is, in fact, the Flash from the 1990 CBS TV series. We have no idea what he's been up to since 1991 in May, I think, when the show was canceled. So, He's presumably been off saving Central City, maybe with Tina McGee, or maybe he got back together with Iris. Um, maybe Julio Mendez knows his secret now. I don't know. Uh, that's all guessing. But, you know, the, the more the important thing is John Wesley Ship. That version of Barry Allen Flash was Barry Allen in Central City. He worked with Star Labs, Tina McGee. Uh, Julio Mendez was his partner at, at, at the Central City Police Department or his co-worker in the forensics there, whatever you want to call it. So, no idea what they've been up to, but presumably been saving Central City. Maybe the trickster has been getting out and he's put him back in. Uh, I'm curious to see what, I hope we get a hint of what kind of life he has had. Uh, I definitely want to see more adventures with John Wesley Ship's Flash in the future. So I hope we get at least a little tease there. Superman we know is going to show up. He was last in the season two finale of Supergirl. So it's been about a year and a half story-wise since he showed up. Uh, he was at that time fighting Supergirl when he was possessed and, and lost a fight to her. And then he helped with the Daxamite invasion. Uh, we know this year he has been off-world visiting Argo City. So Kara found out about Argo City, visited there last year. And the 
season premiere this year, he was visiting Argo City and hasn't been back yet as far as we know. And But he's going to show up in the crossover along with Lois Lane somehow. Don't know how exactly that's going to fit in, but we will see. And then the last key character is Batwoman. Last key hero for Elseworlds is Batwoman. And a character we know very little about other than some some promo information that has been out there, but she's going to be introduced in Gotham, uh, a Gotham that hasn't had a Batman in a few years, and even that Bam- Batman was a bit of an urban legend, so I don't know how much we'll be getting into that. But yeah, we'll have Green Arrow, Flash, another Flash, Supergirl, Superman, Batwoman, and probably tons and tons of other DC characters and Arrowverse characters from over the years that will be showing up in this, so a lot to look forward to. Uh, I think this crossover is a yearly highlight and something to look forward to so i hope they can execute and keep up with the quality of the crisis on earth like last year and, and everything like that i'm looking forward to it so i just wanted to do a fun little exercise for people who don't watch all the shows because it is it is a lot and so it, it's always nice to know where these characters are at even if you aren't keeping up with them all right well that is all i have for today thanks for listening and we'll be back soon